0: (laughs) how often do you think anybody would look at me and say oh yeah that's a great idea
1: (laughs) i'm guessing none
0: (laughs) it's like why don't you just add two more series to it and see what happens
1: welcome back to the author biz i'm stephen campbell and this is the show where we deliver the information you need to become the ceo of your author business if you write fiction, you know the value of writing a series, or maybe two. Maybe you've been writing for a while and you've written a series, then moved on to a second or even a third series. But how many different series can or should you write at once? Today's guest is Deborah Coons. She's a formerly traditionally published author who has fully embraced the world of indie publishing. She's best known for her Las Vegas Adventure series featuring Lucky O'Toole, book seven of which, Lucky the Hard Way, was released last week. But Deb wanted to do more than a single series, so she started something else earlier this year, a women's fiction-slash-suspense series that she calls the Heart of Napa series. So that's two series in two different genres. Then I saw she's got a thriller coming out this December called After Me, So I popped over to her website and saw a tease for yet another series, Romantic Suspense this time, featuring a helicopter pilot with the first book scheduled for early next year. So, four books, either three or four different genres, and presumably different audiences. We talk about the different series, their different audiences, and of course we'll dig into some other topics as well including what she's done to grow her email list by over 1,000% in the last year, using little more than a website lead magnet. But before we get to this week's interview, I'm recording this intro on November 20th, and I've got to tell you I've been thinking a lot about next year and what I want to accomplish, which of course gets me thinking about goal setting. I've done a relatively poor job of hitting my goals over the last couple of years, and I'm not entirely sure why. A couple of decades ago, I went through a process, one that took me several days, and I worked through everything I thought I wanted to accomplish in life. It was an arduous process that involved some serious soul-searching on topics like relationships, because I wasn't married at the time, uh, business goals, I was working for someone else at the time, not uh, in my own business, and even to little personal things that I wanted to accomplish. I mean, this was a seriously difficult and sometimes painful process but when I finished I printed everything out and put it into a notebook I probably thought at the time that I would refer to this notebook once a week or so and check to see how I was doing on my goals well that didn't happen but I'll tell you what did happen I started accomplishing the goals from little things like taking up snow skiing to bigger things like starting my first business and, most importantly of all, uh, getting married. Within five years, I'd not only done everything on the list, I'd gone well beyond what was on the list. Five years later, those original goals were so far in the mirror that they seemed sort of small. Well, now it's 20 years later and my goals have changed a lot. My business goals are now much smaller. It's more important to me to spend time with family and to deliver useful information to you on a regular basis. And of course, my primary goal is to continue to improve as a writer. The problem is those goals aren't focused enough to be real to me. They haven't been drilled into my mind the way the process that I went through 20 years ago allowed those goals to be drilled into my mind. And that's why I've decided to take Michael Hyatt's Best Year Ever course this year. I've spoken to several people who have taken the course in the past, and it seems like it's as close to anything that I've heard of that sort of replicates that long, painful process that I went through 20 years ago, except that Michael's got a formalized plan that's worked for tens of thousands of people around the world. Michael Hyatt, in case you don't know, is a best-selling nonfiction author, as well as the former chairman and CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishers. They are the seventh largest book company in the United States. Uh, I've got to tell you, this course is not targeted at authors. It's for the general population, people that just want to accomplish goals. But I've been following Michael's writing since he worked for um, Thomas Nelson years ago, and he's been writing about personal development. Well, I'm not sure how long he's been writing about it, but I've been following him for about a decade so I'm really pleased to be taking the course myself this year and to be an affiliate for his course. As you probably know, if you listen very often, I do very little promotion on the author biz, And when I do, it's to promote something that I really believe in. So if you're not absolutely sure what your 2017 is going to look like, join me in taking Michael's course. The sign-up for the course is still a couple of weeks out. But pricing will be significantly cheaper for those who sign up early, like I'll be doing. As an incentive to opt into his best year ever course email list, he's asked several of his friends, all successful people in a variety of fields, what the most important thing they do at the beginning of each year is to set themselves up for success. Then he's compiled the answers into a free ebook titled. Achieve What Matters in 2017, The Eight Strategies Super Successful People Are Using Now to Accomplish More Next Year. That sounds good to me, so I'll be signing up, and you can use this link to do the same as well. You can get your copy of the book by going to theauthorbiz.com slash bestyear, or I'll have links where you can sign up in the show notes as well. I'm looking forward to reading the ebook and taking the course. If you're interested in joining me on a journey towards making 2017 our best year ever, check out the ebook, which again is at theauthorbiz.com slash best year. All right, let's get the interview started. My first question to Deborah Kuntz is to ask just how many different series she's working on right now.
0: That's a good question. Um, You know, it's funny because I've had career ADD forever and now it seems like I have ADD as a writer I become fascinated with different genres and the skill set that it requires to write in that particular genre and it's a challenge for me so I like it and I you know the the bright red shiny object you know off I go charging off after that. Um, I'm actually working on the Lucky series Always and The Sam Donovan series will be one that I would like to pursue if the sales justify it when the first book, Deep Water, comes out in February. And the thrillers really are not series. They will be standalone. And I want to write sort of these big, cutting-edge science chase book thrillers. And the the first one of that is After Me, which I think you've taken a gander at and it'll be out in December. And then I have a great idea for the next one uh, that I'm researching right now. So I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do with the Napa series that I started. Uh, Most of my friends have suggested that I take it more romantic suspense Mm -hmm. rather than than straight uh, contemporary romance or women's fiction. And there will always be a hint of suspense in my books anyway, because I don't know how to write a book without it. I like it. And so I always put it in there. And so I will probably keep doing that series as time allows. Uh, I have things to say and characters that want to say them in that series. And I know exactly what the next book is. And it's called Broken. And I will write that also. I think it really just depends on on which books get some traction as to which one I'll write next. But they'll all get written. So that was a long winded way of answering your question. I have no idea how many series that is. Three series. I and think then, it, I and, think we're uh, at four. I, yeah, I, yeah, three
1: three with also a series of standalones. <laughs> that there you are, go. Yeah, it's not a series, but uh, a. a one after another uh right, thrillers. Right. Um you mentioned the the skill sets necessary for these different genres the the Lucky series, Lucky O'Toole series. Um you came out of traditional publishing with that. That was your first series. It's sort of I don't know uh romantic suspense uh, adventure kind of a genre. It's, it's it was sort of hard to pigeonhole I think which was one of the problems you had with it initially and then you, now it's thrillers and, uh, I don't know, romantic suspense or women's fiction, I guess. you know. I'm not sure where you're going with that or how you would even define uh, the first book in the Heart of Napa series. And I'm guessing that the Sam Donovan series is going to be similar to Lucky and it's sort of like an adventure?
0: It's a, It's romantic suspense, and it is similar to Lucky except that it's written in the third person, and the main character, Sam Donovan, is a female helicopter pilot who flies her helicopter out to the offshore oil rigs in the Gulf of Mexico. And then she has a a cohort who is um, a Coast Guard commander, and, and they have a big adventure out in the Gulf of Mexico. And I really want to play with them further. I love flying as a pilot, a flight instructor, I love flying and I want to bring women a little bit into that world and to show that women are are very competent and, and fun pilots and it's a fun world that you can explore. And so I think all of my books what I'm trying to do is sort of collect them around or under the penumbra of mystery if you will whether Mm -hmm. some are more light romantic mysteries that are funny like lucky um, all the way to the dark thriller like after me which is not gory by any stretch Um, I don't do gore and and all of that kind of stuff I can't I can't sleep nights if I have to live with those characters in my head and so they'll all be sort of under under mystery, and just sort of along that continuum, at least that's the, that's the theory anyway.
1: Okay, so let's let's just briefly walk listeners through uh, your your background with Lucky. That was traditionally published, and then you decided to indie publish it to keep the series alive. And so you've been doing that, and I, the last time you and I talked, and it's one of the really fun things about talking to authors, is after the recorder goes off, sometimes people will tell me what they're working on, and at that time, you were telling me about the Napa series, and you were telling me about this thriller that you described, and I just thought, oh my gosh, that just sounds amazing, and and having read some of After Me, it really is. It's just a, a, a fantastic idea for a book, and it's beautifully executed, And and you... You talked a little bit about the helicopter pilot thing, and now here we are talking a year or so later, and you know all these books are coming out. And at the time, I thought, this is crazy. I mean, you, you know, you've got one series. I can see adding the second series, but you're just kind of exploding all over the place.
0: Well, I know, and that's really not that smart, quite frankly, from a career point of view. It would be better if I just sort of picked my path and worked that path. And either stuck with Lucky and maybe had a second series that would sort of pull the same author, you know, the readership into it. Mm-hmm. But the thing about humor, and I've had this discussion with uh, one of my friends, Catherine Coulter, who is, you know, a mega best-selling thriller, romantic suspense writer. And she says, you know, you need to keep writing funny. And I said, well, I, you know, I, I would love to write funny, but I have to have a funny story in order to keep writing funny. And sometimes you just don't have funny stories. And Lucky was always a funny story, and it was it was a way of me to escape a life that was not going quite as I hoped it would in, in real life. And so I crawled into this funny world and, and wrote funny. But I, my other ideas aren't so funny. And um, <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe because I'm happy in my real life and I don't need to escape it. Um, but I don't know. And the thriller idea was something that just came to me. And I knew it was it was one of those ideas, you know, for a story. And it, it was possible to write uh, at, at certain points I had to put it aside and I didn't know how to tell the story and and I wanted the, my craft and my storytelling ability to to be worthy of the idea and so I started writing you know this thriller because I was so in love with the idea and it just it wouldn't let me go and I just had to write it and had to learn how to write it in the process and it took me a while And I think it all worked worked out. Um, The helicopter pilot actually um, was, when I was um, just a baby, baby writer, and I was in a critique group in Colorado Springs, I wrote three chapters of what became Want to Get Lucky, the first book in the Lucky series. And I wrote three chapters of what eventually became Deep Water, the um, helicopter Hmm. pilot book, and I took them to my critique group and i said okay which book should i write and so they went away and read my chapters and they came back and they said gosh you know we really love both of them but the vegas story is just so different um why didn't you try that one first and so you know lucky became lucky and and the rest is history and 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 was lucky was my path to publishing and, and so the three chapters of the helicopter pilot book had just sort of sat there for a while. And, and I, and i I always liked the idea. I liked the characters. I didn't really have a fully um, fleshed out story. And so I just, one day I went back to it and read the three chapters and went, oh, you know, I, these aren't as poorly written as I thought they might be. <laughs> and um and so I went back and I played with it. And it's funny because the three chapters, out of the three chapters, probably one of them ended up in the story, and it ended up in the in the middle of the story, not at the beginning. And but I just I, I got sort of disgusted with publishing uh for a while. And I just started writing different things, and that was sort of how I came to write all these different stories. I just wanted to see where I could go with it. And
1: now, you, have, you have a lot of friends, and you're sort of in the middle of a lot of them out there where you're living in, in uh, San Francisco now, um, who, who have been very successful as indie authors and traditionally published authors. So w- when you tell them, this idea of yours that I'm, I'm going to be writing four different series, th- do they look at you like you've got four eyes, or do they say, hmm, well, yeah, that might work?
0: <laughs> How often do you think anybody would look at me and say, oh, yeah, that's a great idea, Deb? <laughs>
1: I'm guessing none. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like, why don't you just add two more series to it and see what happens? Um, no, they, they really didn't think it was all that great of an idea, but they sort of understood as well, and, Part of it was my trying to figure out where my best voice is mm-hmm. as a writer, and I've always loved thrillers, and I I never read funny books when I was younger, and I didn't intend to write a funny book, and I wasn't really even sure that Lucky was a quote unquote funny book. Um, it was just you know, <laughs> just my voice, my story, you know, whatever. And Vegas is funny without anybody trying to, to make it so. And um, and so I never really set out to write humor. And I really have always wanted to write thrillers. And I like chase books. Uh, I like, you know, bad guys coming after the good guys or the good guys going after the bad guys. And, you know, are they going to get there in time to save whomever? Um, you know, I always like that. Uh,
1: can you Can you just walk us through the storyline for the thriller after me? Not... Tell Me After I Tell You, but the title of the book is After Me.
0: Right, right. Um, it, it is the story of a young woman in her 30s who was an undercover cop for the NYPD, and she was involved in a takedown of a money launderer slash diamond merchant in New York, and the bus went really bad, and she got hurt very badly and and 20 million dollars worth of diamonds went missing and um and the story sort of opens she's living in portland in the witness protection program and she has obviously all of her injuries that she had to deal with in in the takedown that went bad and she also has a rare genetic form of early onset Alzheimer's, which was exacerbated by her injuries. And she's in an experimental stem cell program, a treatment program in Portland. And her brother, who was also an NYPD cop and was involved in the takedown, donates his stem cells um, for her use in the program. And one day she comes home and she's she's getting better and she's modestly functional but still has some big pieces missing um, in her memory and she she comes home and she finds a dead man in her bathtub with a note stuck in his pocket that says i know what you did and she can't remember what she did or why anybody would want her dead. And so thus begins a big chase where nobody in her life is who she thinks they are and what they seem to be, and she has to solve this question of what happened to the diamonds and who is after her uh, before they actually kill everybody around her and get her. And so she starts having, and one of the complications of the uh, experimental stem cell program is she starts having memories that aren't her own. And so as if, as if not having her own memories was bad enough, wasn't bad enough, now she has somebody else's memories, namely her brother's, um, in her head, and she has to figure all of it out. And it sounds quite complicated. It was impossible to write. I wrote it from the first person, so you are in her head, such as it is, and um off we go and i'm really proud of the story the way it turned out um it it's quite a ride it's a lot of fun it came together really well um there aren't any coincidences it's not like she all of a sudden remembers you know who the bad guy is and and what all is about she has to figure it out and um so it's it's probably the best book that I've written so far it, it's, in my opinion
1: When I started reading it I, I remembered you telling me the storyline of the book, and I'm instantly thinking, because I remember when you told me thinking how, how do you even write this book i mean it just seems it's so complicated you're writing a first person book uh, from the perspective of someone who can't remember very right. much of what's happened and right. you know the way the book opens, and you know it, it just i don't know you, you, you just you keep turning the pages because of, of the way you've, you've written the book. There's always – there's just a little bit more and you want to know why is this happening and why is this happening and why can't she remember and who is this other guy and, and why is she anxious around the police and you know just one thing after another like that. These, these tiny little reveals that just, that just keep you moving and I'm, I'm probably a third of the way through it right now. So you've, you've already told me more than I knew. But, uh, <laughs> but it, it is it's, – it's really something, and it's completely different than anything else I've, I've read of yours. I've read all the Luckies, and I've read the first book in the Napa series, which was Crushed. So this is this – it is completely different, and from a craft standpoint, I, I can see why you wanted to just dig into something like that.
0: Yeah, it is completely different. I'm glad you're enjoying it. It, um, it was great fun for me, and I feel very proprietary about this book. It's really funny, and I'm not exactly sure why, but I just um, I really enjoyed enjoyed figuring out how to write it, and it made me very satisfied at the end where everything comes together.
1: You have most of your readers came through the uh, the Lucky channel. And once once you got the rights back to all your books, you did the thing that so many people do, where the first book in the series is free that gets you into the series, and then you know you, we we hope that readers just keep keep reading. So this is what is this the seventh full length novel in the series? The the new yeah. one,
0: Lucky the Hard Way is the seventh full length novel. It'll be out on uh, November eighteenth. And so this we... this
1: show is right. actually going live on the twenty first, so it will have gone out. Oh, good. The previous Friday, yeah. so it'll it will be available,
0: God willing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did notice that you took the chicken way out, and you're not doing a pre order at Amazon.
0: <laughs> no, well, what happened? I I was trying to sell a house in Dallas, and it it turned into this big goat rope, just a huge disaster, and I lost like three weeks to a month worth of writing. Uh, while I was down there trying to deal with all of that, and I was like, "Oh no," you know, and I, I just, I got way behind, and so I couldn't turn out the kind of book that my readers deserved in a time frame that would make Amazon happy um, and satisfy them with the pre-order and how, you know, early you have to load everything mm-hmm. and all of that, and so I just opted for keeping the pub date, <clears throat> excuse me, the same. Uh, but just not doing the pre order.
1: Okay. And so this is the the pub date for this is November eighteenth and your thriller after me is the twenty seventh? December December twenty seventh. Okay. So you've got like you've got two books coming out five weeks apart. (laughs) Right. In two different series.
0: Right. And not not to complicate anything, but then Deep Water will be out in February.
1: And prior to that, the last book was Crushed, right? So a a completely different genre. Three books, three completely different genres in less than a year. Yes, just shoot me now. (laughs) All right, so (laughs) you're... Most of your readers come through Lucky. You have a mailing list. Uh, most of them are Lucky readers. So when you release, when you release a, a book in a, in a new series, and, and maybe we'll take Crushed as an example since that's the only one that, that, that's actually happened yet. Um, were the people on the Lucky list enthusiastic about the new book? Did they rush out and buy it? Or because it was so different, uh, were they hesitant?
0: I think I, I think probably about fifty percent of the lucky readers went and bought it and liked it, and the other fifty percent were probably my male mystery readers, mm-hmm. and Crushed really wasn't a book written for men, and and so they they're they're emailing me saying when's the helicopter pilot book when's the thriller you know they're more aligned with those books so hopefully the luck all of the lucky readers will will go out and at least you know look at the thriller and see if it's something that they might uh, find interest
1: in now. It looks to me like uh, from your website that you're segmenting your list now based on reader interest because I, I saw a the sign up form now has a you know click here to let me know what you like and it, it's right. th- the three different genres. So is, is that something that you plan on using? So will you market more heavily to the romance? section uh romantic suspense uh part of the list when it's time for the next napa book or or are you just going to market it to everybody
0: um i think well i will market more to the uh, to the romance um, side of it and the romantic suspense side of it with the next napa book and it was just sort of an experiment that my assistant um kate tilton who i got through you yes thank a you.
1: former guest of the author biz and i'll link to yes. that show kate's wonderful
0: she is, and it was just something we're trying to see if um, we can sort of use MailChimp to segment um, and, and target readers based on what they're really interested in, and, that, you know, who knows whether that will work or not, but um, it does start some interesting dialogue, and I like that.
1: Okay. Now, the Lucky book, which, which will have been released the previous Friday when this episode goes live, um, what, what has been your expectation when a new lucky book comes out, because uh, well, I think the first was it three or four were traditionally published. Correct. Okay, and then uh, the last few uh, you you've published them yourselves, so you've got some data now. Um, what is your expectation, or what do you what do you plan for um, when you release a new lucky book, a sixth or seventh book in a series kind of thing? Are you looking for a big spike? Or are you looking for a slow build? What, what is your hoped-for release?
0: Um, either. Uh, <laughs> all of the above.
1: A big, um, a, a, a big spike and a slow build.
0: A big spike and a slow build. I Certainly with each book, I, I hope to sell that book to people who are already invested in the series. And hence uh, the email list and those sorts of things so I can access those people uh, pretty quickly and, and let them know that the new Lucky is out. But I also do uh, some ads and, and that sort of thing to try and attract new people to the series. And if they find the seventh Lucky book, hopefully they go back and start from the beginning and, and read all the way up to it. And this Lucky book is, is different than the other ones. It, it actually takes place, it's set mainly in Macau. In China,
1: and I understand you had to make a trip there to make sure that your uh, research was true to life.
0: Yeah, I went to Macau and Hong Kong, and I really didn't want to go. I'd been to Hong Kong before, and I, I love Hong Kong, but it's a, it's a long way to go just to research, you know, for a book. But living on the West Coast, it was a little bit easier. But I I interviewed a a man in Las Vegas who works for one of the the big hotels hotel groups in las vegas that also has uh, properties in macau and he was the head of their auditing staff and i talked to him about uh, money laundering in macau and what they look for in the hotel and how it how it happens and he was an incredible wealth of information uh, since he has to know how people are trying these schemes in order to catch them and and i asked him at the end of it i said so do you think I really need to go to Macau in order to write this? And he looked at me and he said, absolutely. He mm-hmm. said, just, just have to go. And I went, oh, okay. So, I mean, that sounds so awful. You know, oh darn, I have to go to China. But, um, it, and it really was great fun. So I launched off all by myself to, to Macau to, to go to this predominantly Asian Vegas and they don't really cater to Westerners. Westerners don't go there to gamble. Why would they? They can go to the MGM and or win in Vegas rather than to go to those properties in Macau. And and he was he was absolutely right. I could not have written this story hmm. had I not gone to Macau. It's totally different than I expected. It's completely different from Hong Kong, which is Forty-five miles away, and very similar in history in that they were both. Um, well, Macau was run by the Portuguese, and Hong Kong was uh, a territory of the of the British. But and then they both reverted to China in the late um, 1990s. And but Macau is completely different from Hong. Complete in every way, is different from from Hong Kong. And so I was so glad I went. And the people there, when you could find someone who could speak English, which was not um, that easy outside of the hotels, uh, when you found somebody who could speak English, the stories they would tell about Hong Kong and uh, the guys that own the casinos and their shenanigans (laughs) and how Macau
1: worked. (laughs) This is starting to sound like more and more fun.
0: Oh, I mean, it was a blast. It was like, I, I mean, I was just sitting there going, tell me more, tell me more, you know. And and the whole city is is in on it, you know, not in a nefarious way, but in much the same way that Vegas is a one-trick pony. It's all about smoke and mirrors and gambling, you know, and people to coming there and having a good time. And the Chinese version of having a good time is not the American version of having a good time in Vegas, but... Um, I, it was just fascinating the stories that they told me and, the the history that is still there, the remnants of the Portuguese occupation and the buildings. And, the, I mean, it's just, it's just fascinating. And so I put as much of that as I could in the story where it was pertinent and, you know, would add to the story and not slow down Lucky's great adventure there. And, um, and so it was I was sort of mad at myself for setting it in Macau because it was a much harder book to write. I'm so I lived in Vegas. I know Vegas. That's easy. You know Macau's not so easy. Mm-hmm. And um, but at the end of it all, it it is such a rich story, and it's rich because Macau is is rich in history, and and the people are fabulous, and it's just so different than anywhere in this country. And yet, underneath it all, it's just the same, and so uh, I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot, had a great time, and wrote a wild ride lucky story. I think this lucky became a little bit more of a thriller because I <laughs> dove into it right after I finished after me, and I was used to you know shooting at people and chasing all
1: over town so <laughs> we have a couple a couple more things I want to talk about. your email list is is one we mentioned that. You're using – you're segmenting the list now, and, and I'm, I'm sure you put – I know you put links in the books so that people can subscribe from there. You have links on the website, and you do what you can to encourage people. And I know that you and Kate have also been working with the odd contest. How, how do contests work for you in terms of a way of adding people to your list?
0: I, I am not a huge fan of contests. Uh, the only things that I want to give away in contests really are my books, because if I give away an Amazon gift card or a necklace or a or, you know or whatever, people are signing up for the contest to get the thing. They're mm-hmm. not signing up because they're interested in my books, and so I stay away from that um, as much as possible. What really works for me. And getting people to sign up for the email is I have want to get lucky, the first in the series, free, and I also have a bundle of novellas. I've written five novellas that are sort of between the book novellas that they're not important to the continuity of the series. They're just sort of fun stories, um, you know, amidst the chaos of Vegas with all the characters. And I bundled four of those together, and I give that away free on my website at at www.debrakuntz.com, and it's the first thing you see, and you can get that for free if you sign up for my newsletter. Now, you can unsubscribe at any time for my newsletter and all of that, but i found that most people stay. And once they read the books, they go ahead and stay, and, and that's another way to get them into the series if they haven't already discovered the series. So that has been really successful. Now,
1: every time you and I talk, I, I poke at you for the the <laughs> extraordinary number of emails that you send. <laughs> and I'm joking because why would anyone drop off your email list because you so rarely send anything?
0: <laughs> now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. You're being unfair. <laughs> I'm being, that was true.
1: It, that was that was true. It's so. still kind of true. Well, but, I
0: send one once a month. Do once you? A month. Okay, yes, because I I'm do.
1: not. I'm not seeing most of them. Every so often, I have to go out and look. It's like is, is Deb sending?
0: She's still sending <laughs> emails,
1: or did she stop again?
0: Is Deb dead? You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am. You know, it's so funny because I just don't want to bother people. And everybody just rolls their eyes, you know, when I say that. And they're like, these people signed up for your newsletter list. You know, they sort of do want to hear from you periodically.
1: Especially I, when it's, you know, you're publishing as often as you are in, in all these all these different genres. It, it's just like, okay, what do we have to look forward to?
0: Well, but, okay, but this year, I mean, I, I've had one book come out this year, and that was in March. hmm And then I just sort of sat down at at my computer and got busy finishing all these other projects and having to write an entire new lucky book. And so I finished Deepwater, which I think I had like one chapter of. I finished After Me, which I probably had half of. And I wrote a whole new lucky book since March. And so I've been busy and now I actually have stuff to talk about. <laughs> but this whole big period of time, it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm still here. I'm still writing.
1: You thanks know, thanks for being still, on my list and still yeah, being here. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Hope you
0: guys are great. <laughs> and so, you know, it was a little awkward, you know. Uh, but now I actually have a production schedule. I have books that are going to be coming out at regular intervals. And hopefully I can keep that up through the next couple of years. And so I'll have things to talk about. And it was really just my way of taking, stepping back and getting my career, if you will, sort of front loaded, ready to go, some good content out there that I'm really excited about. And now I, I have some things to talk about. So since it's all about me, of course. Since it's my newsletter, but exactly, um, exactly. But I do regularly, you know, um, talk about my friends too and what what they're publishing. But um, it is mainly about about my books and and so, yes, you you. I will give you full credit. I have before I bow before the master. You told me forever, you know, I needed to be working on my email list, and I just would ignore you, and because it was just so not me, um, to do that sort of thing. And you're absolutely right. I have 11,000 people on my email list Get now. Get out! Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. And and so most of them have come from the uh, the lead magnet then, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm getting probably between 20 and 30 people a day um, who are finding uh, the Novella Bundle and are signing up and... and I may lose one or two a week, you know, that unsubscribe, but um,
1: that's all. So you, you've added about 8,000 in the last year, right? Does that sound right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty good because you're not, you're not doing any tricks. You're not, you're not yeah. using Insta InstaFreebie or something like that to add no, no,
0: no. 5,000 are- people
1: at one time. These are all people that want to read your books.
0: Yeah, and that's all I want on my list. If you don't want to read my books and you don't want to hear from me, don't sign up for my newsletter. You know, I want, I want really engaged people who want to hear from me, and they write me, and, and we have, you know, email dialogue. And, and so it's great fun to build that community sort of, of readers who like the same sort of things I like to read.
1: Now, Did you, did you change your email list, your, your provider? I pr- I changed it when I hired Kate. Okay, yeah, I I thought you changed it, and yeah. so uh, do you even did you get involved in that? Do you know like was it was it a problem moving people from one list to the next, or was it a fairly seamless thing?
0: I don't I don't think it was. I th- I, th- I mean I don't think it was a problem. I think it was just fine. Um, I think it I think it worked out pretty easily. Kate is really great with those sorts of things, and she didn't seem. Um, Too upset about it. And one uh, one of the things that worked out really well was we sort of put everybody through a sieve when we transferred them over and we Mm -hmm. got rid of some bad addresses at the time. So sort of culled the list down to um, sort of a core and then started building from there. And I think we started building from about... Eleven or twelve hundred people on okay. the list, maybe, and then um, we've we built it up to close to eleven thousand, I think, yeah, now.
1: Yeah, that's 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 terrific. Um, let, let's talk about your sales channels. You 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 go wide. You are available everywhere, right? Right. Well, I'm
0: not available on Google Books, but I'm available on Kobo, Nook, iBooks, and
1: Amazon. Okay. And have you considered? Just going Amazon, I'm, I'm sure you have. You're an intelligent person, so you would, you would consider everything. Why did, you, why did you make the decision, I guess, to go wide?
0: I, I just don't believe in putting all my eggs in one basket. And Amazon loves to change their rules on you from time to time. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, why would I work so hard and spend all this time and effort and money to build my career on one platform and then have them change the rules. And then I'm screwed at that point. You know, I'm, I, I can't do anything. I have to, to accept their new rules. And I really, really love the people at iBooks. And they are so dedicated to building their content and their platform. And everybody that has uh, an Apple device, be it an iPad or a phone or a computer, has iBooks. And they and if they have an iTunes account, which we all do, we buy mm-hmm. music or whatever, you can buy books, too. And so I think that they are poised to compete uh, fairly competitively with Amazon in the in in the book content uh, provider area. And and they're just such nice folks. They really are awesome. And, you know, and I have some great friends at Nook, too, who are and they're really dedicated to try and rebuild that platform. Um, and we'll see where they go with that. But I like sort of being being spread out and working with a lot
1: of different people. Do you have any sense of what the sales mix is? Where's most of your non-Amazon revenue coming from?
0: Um, it is equally divided between iBooks and Nook.
1: Okay. So Kobo, not so much?
0: Kobo, and I have had a hard time getting any traction with Kobo. And I'm not sure whether it's You know, I've just been selling the Lucky Book, really, primarily, and humor is very difficult to sell in a different market uh, because they don't have the same humor we do, and all of my humor is wordplay, and so if you're not really um, into the American vernacular, it's a little bit difficult to get it, if you will, and so it's been a little bit tough. I hope to have better traction with the romantic suspense and the thriller Um, I think that will translate a lot better than Lucky
1: has. Okay. And one last question, because I know, because we're friends on Facebook, and I see all these pictures of you with your author friends gathered in these different places around the world. Um, And I know that, that you talk with lots of them about what's working and what's not working and things that you're all considering. Is there anything that you've learned over the course of the last year that was, you know, sort of blew your mind the, in, in that, wow, I've got to try that kind of thing?
0: Um, yeah, there's been one thing. And have you um, read any of Stephanie Bond? Oh,
1: yes, I have. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, she, she's just a fabulous human. Um, she's also a fabulous writer. But she came up with this idea uh, to do a serialized book um, called Coma Girl. And it's about a young woman who's in a coma, and and she can hear everybody who's around her, but she just can't communicate with them. And so all these people come to her hospital room and tell her things, and, um, and it's it, it just, I'm so amazed that she pulled it off so beautifully. It's really fascinating, it just pulls you right in. But her premise of how she did this is, is just fascinating. She put up installments of the book, if you will, Every, I can't remember how how often, but she put them up for free on her website, and they were free there for a week. Mm -hmm. And if you wanted it, you could go get it for a week. But then after a week, it wasn't free anymore, and you had to go buy it. And so she did this for several installments, and of course people who would discover it at installment two or four or six (laughs) or whatever had to go back and buy you know all of the the first installments to um, to get the whole story, and it's it's really worked out really well for her. And because it was such a unique way of delivering content, she got a lot of um, a lot of play on Huffington Post and some other places. People talked about how creative this was um, as a way to, and it all went through her website. And so she pulled all of these people to her website mm-hmm. where. You know, is where you want people to come because then they can see everything else that you've done, not just what drew them there. And so, I mean, she was absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I recommend the series. It's not expensive, even if you go back and buy, you know, the other installments. But it does. It just pulls you right in and then you're just fascinated with how, you know, how she made this all
1: work. It's just fabulous. And she's she's sort of a humorous writer herself. Was this funny?
0: um yeah well it, uh, the the young woman who's coma in the coma um has definitely has a very wry uh, okay. <laughs>
1: voice yes she does okay and so
0: it's it's funny from that point of view yes
1: okay well, yeah. I will link to that in the show notes because that that is a cool it's a very cool idea are you going to try it idea. are you going to try it with one of your new things
0: I don't know if if I come up with something that I think lends itself to that um then certainly i I will give it a go uh it's, I I don't know. It just, it's, it's been fun to watch her do this. She really is such a good, she's a great writer. And then she's such a creative business person.
1: I'm in awe. I am just in awe. (laughs) Now, did she write the whole thing first and then just start parceling it out? No, no. She was, she was writing (laughs) writing it as she went. As as she goes. Yeah.
0: Cool. I mean, certainly she had it all, you know, she knew where she was going with it Mm -hmm. Oh, otherwise she wouldn't have started it. But, um, and I, I think the installments are relatively short, like 800 to 1,000 words, maybe a little bit longer. I can't remember. Don't hold me to that. Anyway, it's, I just thought it was fabulously creative. And then I have some other people that are putting up um, shops of their own, and they're selling their products um, through their website uh, on, like, Shopify or, you know, one of those. Yeah, that's um, an
1: idea that really intrigues me. How, how, what, what's your impression on, on how that's going for them?
0: Oh, I, I will certainly do that. Uh, you know, When I have time and I have a little more content, I will certainly do it as well. There's no downside to that. Obviously, if you can sell it yourself and cut out the middleman, okay,
1: awesome. Does it you know. get complicated when you're selling overseas?
0: Um, I'm sure it probably does, and that is not something that I have addressed with the one person I know who has just gotten her, her shop up and going, which um, is Barbara Freethy, and she's a very successful oh my
1: gosh, yeah,
0: romance and romantic suspense writer. She's a great friend, lives here in the Bay Area, and she just just literally like two days ago got her um, her shop all up and running, and and it looks fabulous, and she's really thought it through, and she you know she has the fulfillment taken care of, but I I I would assume that. If she's shipping books overseas, she just – whoever's buying it has to pay the freight on that.
1: Well, that's interesting as well. I'm going to look that up because I'm, I'm really curious about this idea, and I want to see how she's how, – what her, what her shop looks like. Now, speaking of websites, you mentioned yours. Is that the best place for people to connect with you online?
0: That would probably be a great place to start, yeah.
1: And that is www.deborakuntz.com? Correct. And there are links there to all your social media accounts. And of course, sign up for your email (laughs) list because you know you're not going to get badgered with emails from Deb, that's for sure.
0: No, he won't. He won't. (laughs) No spam from me.
1: (laughs) Deb, thanks for being here today. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. And best of luck on the new books. We've got um, Lucky the Hard Way, which is available now, and After Me, which will be available on December 27th
0: absolutely thank you so much for having me as always loved it
1: all right and thank you for listening and remember you can find the show notes and links to everything we mentioned today including deb's books and her website at my website which is theauthorbiz.com. thanks for listening okay that was fun i always enjoy talking to deb and i did start reading lucky the hard way the new lucky book and i'm a, just a huge fan of the series i started reading it last night and i'm really enjoying it i want to give you a quick update on what we're doing next week. Uh, we're starting something that I'm really excited about. We're doing a sort of a real-time launch strategy case study with a thriller author named Martha Carr. Martha's using a rapid release blueprint she's seen other indie writers have a great deal of success using and we'll talk about that uh, during the interview which is which will happen the week before she releases the first book in a new series. Then we're going to check in with Martha multiple times over the next three months to see exactly how her plan of releasing six books in 11 weeks is working. So again, this is like a real-time case study. So she'll be releasing these books, and we're going to talk to her the week after each book is released. So I'm, I'm really kind of excited about it. I've seen this work for paranormal authors. I've never seen it work for someone that writes thrillers, suspense, mysteries, things like that. Maybe it has, and I, I just haven't noticed it, but I'm, I'm really excited to track and see what Martha's doing and, and some of the, the techniques that she uses uh, to make this launch or the series of, of book launches successful. So thanks again for listening, and please do join us again next week as we launch into what will really be like a live high-wire act that will be a real-time launch series featuring Martha Carr. One final reminder about Michael Hyatt's ebook: Achieve What Matters in 2017. You can get the book for free by going to theauthorbiz.com slash bestyear. You'll need to sign up for Michael's uh, email list to to be notified when his course goes live. And I'd love it if you'd join me in the course. It would be sort of fun to work together and accomplish our goals for next year. We will talk again soon uh, with Martha Carr next week. Thanks.